You guys doing good? Cool. Um, <laughs> I'm doing great. Um, thank you, by the way, so much for, for praying. and um, It does mean a lot. Um, you know, Miss Ruth, she was telling me that, you know, everybody was praying, their group, and, you know, um, I don't feel as nervous now. Um, I was feeling really nervous last night. Um, but, but thank you. I really appreciate everybody um, who's been praying. Uh, turn your Bibles to 1 Timothy 1. Um, 1 Timothy chapter 1. Um, I don't know why I was given this passage to preach on, probably because of my obsession with prosperity gospel and Joel Osteen. But <laughs> I don't know. But this is a great passage. Um, and I'm really excited to, to talk to you guys about this. Um, I want to take a moment and thank Pastor Chuck and Pastor Matt for their discipleship and for their consistent, you know, equipping me in the gospel um, for, for ministry. And, and just, it's, it's really cool to have a sneak peek into how pastoral life looks like and um, shepherding and all that stuff looks like. So I'm, I'm really grateful for them. Pastor Matt, thank you. Pastor Chuck, if you're listening to this, thank you. Um, yeah. Um, so 1 Timothy 1, uh, let's all stand as we read. We'll, re- we'll be reading from verse 1 to verse 11, and then we'll dig in. 1 Timothy 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God our Savior, and of Christ Jesus our hope. To Timothy, my true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. As I urged you when I went to Macedonia, remain in Ephesus so that you may instruct certain people not to teach false doctrine or to pay attention to myths and endless genealogies. These promote empty speculations rather than God's plan which operates by faith. Now the goal of our instruction is love that comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Some have departed from these and turned aside to fruitless discussions. They wanted to be teachers of the law, although they didn't they don't understand what they are saying or what they are insisting on. But we know that the law is good, provided one uses it legitimately. We know that the law is not meant for a righteous person, for the lawless and rebellious, and for the ungodly and sinful, for unholy and irreverent, for those who kill their fathers and mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral, and for homosexuals, for slave traders, liars, perjurers, and for whatever else is contrary to the sound teaching that conforms to the gospel concerning the glory of the blessed God which was entrusted to me. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this passage. Um, God, I'm pleading with you right now to take away all the pride, Um, the temptation to, to talk from eloquence, I just pray that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit like Pastor Matt was saying. Um, I need your spirit right now to to speak to your people, to your bride, to your flock, to your church. Um, And I pray that you would help me to be faithful to this passage. And I thank you for all the grace that you've been pouring on me um, through this church. Um, And God, as we study this passage right now, I pray that you'd help us to love you and that you'd help us to grow our love for others more and more. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So we know that this book is written by Paul. Um, 
because Paul makes it clear that he wrote this um, letter, not book. Um, it was written by Paul, it was written to Timothy. Paul is, Timothy is Paul's co-worker, so Paul took Timothy in many missionary journeys, and uh, Acts chapter 16 lays out um, you know, an explanation of how Paul picked Timothy. Timothy was known as a, as a really godly young man, and he, was, he grew up with, um, he grew up with a, a, a Greek dad and a Jewish mom, and his grandmother was Jewish as well. And they, they, they taught him the Old Testament scriptures. Um, and Timothy really liked that. Uh, Paul really liked that. And Paul took Timothy and he circumcised him and he took him to gospel work uh, to many places. And this book, Paul is writing to a young pastor um, because this, these two letters are very, scholars call this pastoral epistles. Uh, a lot of um, church government stuff, a lot of, qualifications for pastors and deacons and a lot of other instructions for people in the church. So if you want to become a pastor, just go ahead and read this book. It's a lot of great advice. Um, I want to make a statement for the sermon and I'll come back to the statement again and again. Um, so if you don't get anything from the sermon, just remember this statement. So this is a statement. The lifestyle of a true Christian is love which comes from a purified heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. The lifestyle of a true Christian is love which comes from a purified heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. And I, I deliberately use the word true there because a lot of people in the world, they think that they're Christians because they go to church, because they grew up in a Christian family, or because they, their parents are, their dad's a pastor, and I was in that boat. But none of that makes you a Christian. Um, if you believe in Jesus Christ in Romans 10.9, if you confess with your mouth and, and con confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that he's raised from the dead, you will be saved, right? Um, you cannot be saved if you believe in your own works for salvation. It's all Christ. And that true belief in him would produce repentance, right? And that's why I wanted to use the word true there. Um, so our, our, the main, the main um, idea in this passage, we read like 11 verses, the main idea in this passage is verse 5. Let me read that real quick. Now the goal of our instruction is love that comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. So, you know, Paul is writing this letter, and he's saying, he's telling Timothy to instruct these people and these people are, are teachers, false teachers. They're so obsessed with, they're so uh, consumed with, with the law and they wanted to be teachers. They wanted to teach about the law. But Paul is, but Timothy, Paul is writing to Timothy and he's saying, hey, 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 hey. That's not, that's not Christianity. Christianity is love, right? Um, and he writes a lot of things here and, and let's, I, I want to dig into verse five um, more and more today. So let's talk about love. And I was going to say this, I'm probably the least qualified person to talk about love because I don't show a lot of love. And <laughs> Pastor Matt and Pastor Chuck, many times they tell me, yeah, you have to show grace, you have to be kind, you have to show love, not judge and everything. So I'm not qualified, but thankful for grace. So, <laughs> so what is the greatest commandment in the Bible? To, to love God and love people, right? So but what is love? 
There are four kinds of love. We know that, right? Four kinds of love. Storage, philia, eros, and agape, right? And the word Paul is using here, the goal of our instruction is love. The word love there in verse 5 is agape love. Um, John Piper defines agape love as, as divine love characterized by sacrifice in the pursuit of another person's good. You know, we, we, live in, we live in the 21st century, and, you know, the word love is thrown all over the place today. Like, I love my cat, I love my coffee, you know, I love my car. Um, I think it will be helpful for us to just know what this love is, and I'm going to define this word, what this love, agape love. Um, before I do that, let me say um, this. The word love is used in a lot of places in the Bible. So, Paul says in 1 Timothy 6, the love of money is the root of all evil, all kinds of evil. And he's not using the word agape when he used that, when he used, when he used it in this chapter, when he says the love of money is the root of all evil. That's not love, that's greed, okay? And also in 2 Timothy 3, he says hard times will come in the last days and, you know, people will be lovers of self, lovers of money. Paul is not using agape love here. Paul is using a different word so I just want you guys to know that every time you see the word love in the Bible, he's not talking about agape love, okay? So, so let's define love, agape love specifically. It's a choice you make to do something for someone for their benefit, okay? It's a choice you make to do something for someone for their benefit. And this love is not based on feelings or emotions. It's based purely of the will, on the will. It's abstained from self. It's not self-centered. It's not self-seeking. It's others-centered. It's sacrificial. It is committed. And it expects nothing in return. That is agape love. Right? It's a choice you make to do something for someone for their benefit. So when you love someone with agape love, you're thinking about them. You're not thinking about yourself, right? Um, and the word goal here, when Paul says the goal of our instruction, and I think it's, it's something else in different translations, the word goal here means end, aim. The aim of our instruction, the end of our instruction is love. Um, Paul says in Romans 13, you know, love is the fulfillment of, of the law. The, the end goal of Christianity, the end goal is to love God and love our neighbors. Right? So, Paul, Paul is instructing these, inst- telling Timothy to instruct these false teachers to not, to not get sidetracked because if, you, if you're on point on the law and you miss love, it doesn't make sense. Turn, turn your Bibles to 1 first, first Corinthians 13 real quick. First Corinthians 13, here's what Paul says from verse one. If I speak human or angelic tongues, but do not have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am what? Nothing. Say it out loud, I'm what? Nothing. So Paul is saying, I can have all the knowledge, I can have all the prophecies, I can have all these things, and I'm guilty of this myself. I can have all these things. I can have a seminary degree. I can have an undergrad degree. But if I don't have love, I'm, I'm nothing, right? Um, 
There is no thing. Yeah. And again, it says in verse 4, um, love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy. It's not boastful. It's not arrogant. So it's not self-seeking. It's, it's, it doesn't keep a record of wrongs. So without love, we are nothing. And that's what Paul is saying there. The goal, the end of our instruction is love. Um, so this week, like I'm preaching again next Sunday. Sorry, you have to hear me again. Uh, this week we'll be talking about what it means to love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from a sincere faith. And next week we'll be talking about what the consequences are if you don't love from these three things. Okay? Y'all tracking with me? <laughs> okay. All right, let's talk about this. Love from a pure heart. What does it mean to love from a pure heart? What does a pure heart have to do with love? Okay? What is a heart? Because some of you don't know that. <laughs> so the word heart used in this, in this verse, Paul is used the word cardia, um, which means it's the soul, it's the mind, it's the fountain and seat it's the fountain seat of the thoughts and passions and desires and appetites and affections and, and, and purposes and endeavors. It's the inner man. That's what heart means. It's where all these things are produced. Your passions, your appetites, your desires, your thoughts. And the problem is we have, a, we have wicked hearts. Because Romans 3 says all, all have sinned and fall short of God's glory, Right? And uh, Jeremiah says, Jeremiah 17, it's in the Old Testament, the heart is more deceitful than anything else and in, incurable, and who can understand it? Our hearts are w- wicked because of our sin, right? And, and that's why Paul says, l- our, our love comes from a pure heart, should come from a pure heart. Um, but the good news is this, we all have wicked hearts, we all do. We all are wicked us because of our sin, and that's why in Romans 8, it's, Paul says, God says, you know, he's working all things together for our good for, for us, so that we can be conformed into his image, right? Um, and the word pure here in the Greek means kathros, which means it's, it's clean, it's purified, it's free from corrupt desires, and it's free from sin, it's free from guilt, it's free from false motives, it's sincere, it's genuine, it's blameless, it's innocent, it's un- unstained with guilt of anything. When's the last time you loved someone like that? Um, yeah, man, it was, this was hard. Preparing this was hard because I was, there was a lot of conviction going on in my heart too. Um, Jesus says in Matthew 5, Blessed are the pure in the heart, for they will see God. I was thinking about a good illustration for this love, love from a pure heart, but I really couldn't think of anyone except for Jesus Christ because, you know, people were beating him up and people were spitting on him, people were throwing stuff at him, and literally, like, if someone beats me up, I get mad at him, right? But Jesus Christ was on the cross. People were piercing into his body, blood was flowing and he said Father forgive them for they don't know what they do right 
That is love from a pure heart. I read an article this past two, two weeks ago, I think. Um, it's, called, it's from Desiring God. It's called, Where Does True Love Come From? And uh, this is a quote that I really liked. Um, he said, if we are in Christ, our failure to love others is a sure sign that our heart is not relishing enough the wonder of our salvation. Right? So we don't, if we don't enjoy the, the salvation that, that God gave us, it's a free gift. It's, it's a gift that we do not deserve by any means. It's, it'll be difficult to love others. Right? So, so what do you, how, do, how do we get this? How do we get a pure heart? Well, the answer is pray. We can pray, we can ask God to, to, to make our hearts clean, to give us a pure heart, right? And can we show that love to others this week? Can we do that? Because Christ forgave our sins and it shouldn't really be hard to, to do the same thing to others, right? Um, it doesn't matter if it's an unbeliever or a believer. How about give something to someone, you know, someone who's you're bitter at? Give him a gift or something. Um, maybe you can buy some groceries to your grandma. Right? Maybe you can do something for someone that purely benefits only them. Right? So why don't we pray? Um, and how, how often do we pray, God, give us a pure heart? So let's go to the next one. Love from a good conscience. And again, all these questions are coming up. What is a conscience? What is a good conscience? How can you love someone from a good conscience? Let me define conscience this way, okay? It's the soul having the ability to distinguish between what is morally good and bad. The soul having the ability to distinguish between what is good and bad. I like how Pastor Matt said it. He said, um, conscience, con, science, knowledge, um, what's the other word? With. Knowledge with. with. Yeah. With knowledge, yeah. Yeah, I wrote it down. I didn't read it. <laughs> conscience is what makes judgment calls, right? It creates guilt. The, the, the sad part is it can be defiled too. And it can be defiled when you reject the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, and the word good here, because Paul says good conscience, he doesn't just say conscience. Uh, in, other, in other translations, I think it says like uh, clean conscience and stuff like that. Um, the word good here is agathos. I think I'm pronouncing it weirdly. Um, what it means is this. It's, it's useful. It's, it's good. It's pleasant. It's joyful. It's happy. It's excellent. It's upright. And it's honorable. I like, uh, I like what, what the, he the writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews 10. This is what he said. Hebrews 10, 19. 
Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, he has inaugurated for us a new and a living way through the curtain that is through, the, through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with the true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. So how can we love someone from a, from a good conscience? You know, uh, it's really hard f- for me to come up with illustrations because I, this is my first sermon. So I was thinking like, you know, Matt told me many times, like he buys groceries for, Pastor Matt told me that he buys groceries for his grandmother. Um, that's an act of love, that's, that's pure love, right? Like you buy groceries and you give it to someone, that's, that's love. But if you steal groceries and you give it to someone, that's not from a good conscience because you're, you're stealing, right? I, you don't steal, I'm just saying that. <laughs> so, and again, our only role model is Jesus Christ because he's the one who loved from a good conscience and from a pure heart, right? And loving from a good conscience is, is loving someone loving people with pure motivations, with, without, without any evil intent. And I, I struggle this myself, like, like when I'm trying to love others, like, like I, I'm like, is there anything that, is there, is there something for me here? You know, we're so tempted to think that way because we're, we all are guilty of that and we all are sinners. Um, maybe you do something, maybe you're doing something right now in your life. It might not be a sin, but you know that it's, it's, it's something that you're not supposed to do because it doesn't glorify God. So pray and, and ask and ask God to change those ways, whatever they are, um, and he will give you a good conscience. Okay? Um, let's go to the next one. Love from a sincere faith. What is a sincere faith? What is faith? The word faith here is is called pistis, which means it's a conviction of the truth of anything. It's the conviction of respecting the relationship to God and divine things. Another definition of truth, uh, another de- definition of faith, is the conviction that God exists and is the creator and ruler of all things, the provider and bestower of eternal salvation to Christ. Another one is, another definition, belief that Jesus is the Messiah. And the word sincere here is, I don't know really how to pronounce this, anipocritos, whatever that is. basically means it's undisguised. It's genuine, it's sincere. I'm ESL guys, so just chill. Um, (laughs) The word sincere here means undisguised. It's genuine, it's sincere. In heritage terms, it's not fake. (laughs) Um, It's not hypocritical, 
I've seen a lot of hypocrites who, who, um, like, who think that they're Christians, like who say that they're Christians, but their lifestyle doesn't show that they're Christians. Um, and I, I'm, I, I genuinely feel for them because I hope they can change their lifestyles. Um, I think James, if you want to turn your Bibles to James 2, James does a great job just talking about this faith. James 2, 14 to 23, or 22. Here's what it says. What, God, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but does not have works? Can such faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace and stay warm and be well fed, but you don't give them what the body needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith, if it does not have works, is dead by itself. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works and I will show you faith by my works. You believe that God is one, good. Even the demons believe and they shudder. Senseless person, are you willing to learn that faith without works is useless? Wasn't Abraham our father justified by works in offering Isaac his son on the altar? You see that faith was active together with his works, and by faith, by works, faith was made complete. Pretty sobering, right? You know, James is not saying you are saved by faith. James is saying if your faith doesn't show works, you have a dead faith. That's what he's saying. Um, because you can say, yeah, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. But that's not going to save you because even the demons do believe in God. But they're not saved. Right? It's the works of that person that tells us if he's truly saved or not. It's not just mouth confessing. It's, it's, the, it's the attitude. It's the behavior. Since your faith does not disguise since your faith does not live a double life, it doesn't live a sinful life and it doesn't live a holy life. Right? I've, seen, um, I've seen a lot of pastor's kids in India and my mind just went, to, went there because I was, as I was thinking through this this morning, um, a lot of these people are, are going to clubs and smoking and like doing worldly stuff and then like they, they come back like Sunday mornings, they're like holy, they're t- pretending that they're holy and they're pretending that they're, oh, we, we are godly, we, we love Jesus and everything. But their lifestyle doesn't show that. And yeah, I, I, really, I really don't know what to say except to just, you know. Um, a sincere faith not only believes in the existence of God, it produces repentance. Did you get that? A sincere faith produces repentance. It forgives others. And ultimately, it rests in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And sincere faith doesn't pretend because it is expressed genuinely. Yeah, I don't think I have energy to just 
live a life that is pretentious because our lives are too busy. We, you know, too busy loving and too busy serving people. If there is a sincere faith, if you have a sincere faith, that is because of the work of the Holy Spirit in you guys, right? I, uh, I had to check that with Matt this morning, so. Um, and if you have a pure heart, loving people nonstop, from a pure heart, from a good conscience, from a sincere faith, yeah, that's, that's God working in you, God working through you. Because the only difference between a, an unbeliever and a believer is, is direction, not perfection, right? How an unbeliever sins, a believer sins, but a believer repents and, and, and understands the sin He's guilty, and he turns away from it. And there's a progression of holiness, there's a progression of sinlessness in a believer's life. And he'll be perfect one day when Christ comes back. Right? I'm glad I won't be be sinning. I know I won't be sinning one day because I won't be sinning when Christ comes back. It's going to be amazing. And this is what Paul is saying here. He's saying... He's telling Timothy, like he's exposing all these teachers and he's telling, these people are pretending. These people are pretending to be holy, pretending to be, oh, we're godly people. You know, we look at us. You know, we're so like mastering the law. But in reality, they, all they have is, is, is pride and arrogance and, and, you know, they don't understand what they're saying. And we have a lot of pre- teachers like that in the world right now. I mean, you've guys seen, you've guys seen the movie American Gospel, right? If you didn't, go and watch it. Um, and these people think that they have a sincere faith. My mind went, really went to Matthew 7 um, as I was thinking through this because in Matthew seven twenty one, Jesus says, not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, will see the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of the Father. You know, like, and most of you guys know, like, I always say the word, phrase, Jesus Christ is Lord. But the phrase, Jesus Christ is Lord, is, is useless. It's really pointless if there's no um, a change in your behavior, a change in your attitude. Because Christ says in Matthew 7, many will come many will come to him on that day and say, oh Lord, did we not do this? Did we not do this? Did we not do this? And Jesus, they say all these things only to hear Jesus say, what? Depart from me. There you go. It's very sad, yeah. And everything that comes out of Jesus' mouth is beautiful except for one phrase, right? because it damns, that phrase damns the entire soul. I like how Matt put it a couple weeks ago when he preached from his sermon, Love from Humility. He said, love doesn't put on a show. Right? It doesn't show off. It doesn't, you know, do works and then like, oh, look at this, you know, I did this. 
and a, and a sincere faith, love from a sincere faith, a sincere faith is faith that shows works, not perfection, but direction, like I said earlier, repentance. Um, and scripture repeatedly, God repeatedly tells us, you know, Paul repeatedly writes, examine yourself, examine yourself, examine yourself. I wanna read Galatians 5 real quick. You guys don't need to turn there. Um, Galatians 5, 6. Um, this is what Paul says. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision accomplishes anything. What matters is faith working through love. Yeah. We're saved by grace and grace through faith, right? So we don't need a fake faith. We need a real faith, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and this is, this is what God is calling us to love. This is, this is the love that we are called to. We are, this is the love we are called to. Like we are called to love people from pure hearts, good conscience, from, from a faith that is not disguised, that is not hypocritical. And we love because he loved us first, right? I don't know, maybe we can look, look for some ways on how to love others this week. Um, maybe we can, I don't know, maybe you can think about someone and just see how you can love them. Think about what they like or what they prefer and just do something for them and just say, just say I love you or I appreciate you or something like that. And I'm terrible at this because I don't do this often. Um, by doing this, what are we doing? Showing Christ. We're bringing God the glory, right? The, the entire Bible is about giving God the glory. It's about God's glory, right? So is my microphone off? What happened? Okay. And this is what this is what Christianity is. You know, we're we're not we're not about sing, we are about singing and preaching and all that stuff, but the world the world knows that we are followers of Christ when when they see us loving each other and loving them as well. Right? And true love is important. There, it's back again. True love is important because when we love others, when we love God, and when we love others, like Jesus, the world sees Jesus in us. So my prayer for you guys is that you would love people from a good heart, from a purified heart, and that you would love people from a good conscience and from a sincere faith. Because Paul says in, in verse six, some, some have departed from these and turned aside to fruitless discussions. You depart from love, you get into all sorts of mess, you get into, I don't know, discussions and arguments and, and where there's love, there's forgiveness. Where there's love, there's no judgments. Um, 
And it's not easy. It's definitely not easy to love someone, love others, because, you know, we love ourselves too much. So, but we can look at Christ who loved us selflessly and we can love others, right? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this this beautiful passage and beautiful words that encompasses every single thing about you, which is to love. Father, I pray that you would help us to understand how much you loved us and we can never understand how much you loved us because it, it, we can't measure it. You, you provided, you made a provision for forgiveness, something that we didn't deserve. All we deserve is, is your wrath. But you provided, you gave us grace and you gave us forgiveness even though we sin, we're sinning every day. That is, that is love beyond measure and grace beyond measure and we thank you for that. I pray that you would help us to love others this week from a pure heart, from a good conscience and from, from a sincere faith. Help us to love people with, without evil intent, without corrupt intent, corrupt desires, Help us to love them without thinking about ourselves. Help us to be sacrificial in our loving others. And God, we love because you, loved, you first loved us and you commanded us to love you and love others. And I pray that you would help us to love you more and love others more and that you would help us to give you all the glory as we do this. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, guys.